Angel, and I'm Harvey. <laughs> and um, yeah, surprisingly, this week we're doing two episodes in a single week. Yeah, we think you guys deserved it since we take a lot of hiatuses, or well, not a lot of hiatuses, but we took a pretty long one lately. So, uh, hey, you ever notice how everything we do goes back to Batman? <laughs> <laughs> we so, heard y'all talking shit. <laughs> um, so this. Month is the 30th anniversary of the 1989 Batman movie from Tim Burton, and uh, we decided that we wanted to review this movie at some point. Yeah, we wanted to relate everything back to Batman, so here we are <laughs> reviewing another Batman movie. Yeah, well, I'm pretty sure that when I was gonna, when I was in the process of starting a podcast, a lot of people who are my friends and family probably thought that I just wanted to do all the Batman movies at once. Yeah, well, joke's on you. We're not doing them all at once. We're going to space them out through our tenure. <laughs> Slow burn, baby. Uh, so, yeah, of course, uh, you know, what is your experience with the 1989 Batman movie? Oof. That one's kind of hard because this this might be... No, technically, Exorcist 2 was the first movie we reviewed that came out before I was born. But yeah, this movie came out before I was born... So, there was no real hype train for me to get on like every other movie we've reviewed. So, this movie, I can't even tell you how I watched it. I think I either watched it with my parents when I was like four or five. Or I might have even been the first time I watched it with you. Like at your house. Because this was one of those movies you you played... Till the VHS tape caught on fire. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I really don't remember. So, for me, I don't... I remember when I watched this movie, actually. So, when I was very, very young, I'm talking, like, five years old, maybe, like, I had already watched Batman Returns by then, and I was a huge fan of that movie. Like, I watched that movie so many times, I could not even tell you. I never watched the original Tim Burton Batman movie until after I had seen Batman Returns. Really? Yep. So I did not watch it in order, and um, I was like, oh yeah, this is, you know, Michael Keaton Batman. It was the only movie of Batman that I figured existed at the time. I watched the animated series on Fox Kids, like, every day, you know, in the golden age of after-school cartoons. Yeah, I remember I watched, those days. I watched uh, 90s Spider-Man, 90s X-Men, and Batman the Animated Series. And then Superman, the, the Adventures of Superman, when that came out. Which was pretty great. Um, yeah. But, so, <laughs> this is how much I'm going to date myself on this episode. But I actually asked my parents to buy this movie for me when we were at a Montgomery Ward Oh my god! Yeah? Montgomery Ward was still a thing! Yeah, so for those of you who are too young to remember, Montgomery Ward will join places like Circuit City, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Radio Shack, Mervyn's Radio Shack, places that don't exist anymore in the advent of Amazon. 
where you would department stores where you would just go buy everything that you needed. I think Sears is probably the only thing that's <laughs> left around that's kind of like that. And, and even Sears, Sears is going to be going away soon. So. Yeah, Kmart in some areas. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's that's fucking crazy to think about that. That used to be a lot of places you can get random shit at. Well, nobody even buys movies on video anymore. Everyone just streams everything, or you buy digital copies of movies. Yeah, I can't tell you when was the last time I bought a physical copy of a movie. But um, anyway, I had watched that movie, I brought it home, and I was pretty frightened by Jack Nicholson's Joker, I would have to admit. So I actually watched this one less than I watched Batman Returns. Now as a 30-year-old man... Are you still feel that same visceral fear of Jack Nicholson as the rest of the world? No, absolutely not. Oh, well, that makes one of us, buddy. <laughs> um, but this movie, you know, as I got older, I discovered a lot more of the kind of history of this project. So what's really interesting, especially now, considering the fact that the rights for superhero movies, superhero movies, universes, and comic books, like the rights for comic book movies in general that are, are at an all-time high. Yeah, they just print a shit zillion dollars nowadays. It's hard to believe a time where producers were the ones that were trying to get these movies adapted and made, and studios were worried about investing Making too money. much money yeah. in it. So, uh, this movie is actually, before it was distributed by Warner Brothers, the producers of this film are, uh, I forget the other gentleman's name, but one of them you will recognize, his name is Peter Goober. Mm-hmm. Like Peter Goober. Why does that sound familiar? Because Peter Goober is now the part owner of the Golden State Warriors. Oh! <laughs> I watched, so when I was like in high school, I watched a documentary on the making of the 89 Batman, so I know what Peter Goober looks like. Yeah. So as an adult, when the Golden State Warriors won the NBA championship in 2015, it was really weird seeing the producer of Batman <laughs> celebrating with Stephen Curry and Clay Thompson. You're like, what? <laughs> Your worlds are colliding. Uh, and the, one of the other producers actually was a man by the name of Michael Uslan who is uh, well-known in DC circles as a Batman fan, right? Like, And, mm-hmm. and also just like a great figure um, behind the scenes in DC Comics and in Warner Brothers, period. Mm-hmm. Um, almost every Batman movie that has come out since then, like his fingerprints are somehow on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so this movie, they were looking for the right director to do it. Some of the guys who were on the short list, uh, you know, there was all sorts of guys who were considered for it. One of them that, that just doesn't make any sense to me, but they did consider him for it, was Stanley Kubrick. What you mean? <laughs> he would have been perfect! <laughs> um, Bill Murray was supposed to play Batman at one point when they wanted to do a comedic version of it. Robin Williams was supposed to be the Joker at one point. What Robin Williams and Tim Curry were both considered for the Joker. Like the Tim Curry as the Joker, that would have scared the shit out. Well, of Well, especially because he does it later, and that <laughs> did scare the shit out of a lot of people. Nope. To this day, that's why Javier suffers from, or that's why little Javier has a fear of clowns. He does. <laughs> but um, it, this was, you know, their first attempt to bring a Batman movie back uh, after the campy 1960s Batman series, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Adam West. R.I.P. His shadow looms so large over Batman for almost 30 years 
after the series had ended that, you know, it was hard for anyone to consider a universe in which he wasn't Batman. I know, especially, like, you're going to make an adaptation without Robin, and it's like... You know, who can possibly replace Burt Ward and his giant penis? <laughs> well, Robin was they Robin was in one of the original treatments for this. Yep. Was his giant penis also <laughs> in it? But and supposedly two of the people that were considered I don't know how true this is, but the internet has rumors out there that two of the people that were considered Johnny uh, Depp. No. Oh, okay. Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. They would have been, like, babies. Well, it's funny enough, in Batman Forever, what's it called? Uh, Christian Bale was one of the guys that was considered for Robin in that film. And people were like, oh, no, that's stupid. <laughs> Christian Bale would never do a movie like this. Um, so, you know, there, there was... Uh, this movie really got pushed forward because of the popularity of The Dark Knight Returns, the comic book. Which Ah, yes. The Dark Knight Returns and The Killing Joke. Yeah, which is, I love Dark Knight Returns as an adult. It took me a while to come around to that comic. I think the one I was really stuck on, which we can talk about this now, and it'll be dated by the time, well, if the movie ever gets made. If Matt Reeves' Batman ever gets made, then this will be dated. But apparently one of the big rumors going around is that one of the comics that's going to influence Matt Reeves' Batman story is going to be Long Halloween Oh, cool. So it's supposed to be more of a serial killer Batman is a detective story mm-hmm. where the rogues gallery villains that are supposed to be in it, like Riddler and uh, Penguin, are going to mm-hmm. be more peripheral characters instead of the main villains. Interesting. Yeah. So I'm definitely interested in, in watching something like that. But, you know, back to Dark Knight Returns, it mm-hmm. was a very influential comic book for Batman, you know, just forever, right? Like, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's something that... Um, has its hand in how it's portrayed even to this day because again batman was considered very campy Mm. a lot of the stories that came out in the 60s were batman going into space with a bat rocket yep you know there was batmite (laughs) there was you know batwoman batgirl you know like the whole bat family Batman getting married because there was so much talk of him being a homosexual with <laughs> with Dick Grayson and his giant penis. And there's elements of old Batman comics, I guess, in this as well, because Vicky Vale is a character that Yeah, is, she's an old that she plays the love interest of Batman. Yeah. I've never read a modern comic book with Vicky Vale in it. Other than like a bit part that I think is just kind of a joke reference in Batman Year One. It's not like Jimmy Olsen or Lois Lane or even uh, and and it was their attempt to do Lois Lane. That's yeah, that's why it was the double V name, just like yeah, double yeah, yeah. L for Lois Lane. Like having you know those weird the alliteration of in the name. Yeah, yeah, or they used to have alliteration and shit. Yeah. Marvel did that way more than DC. Yeah. I mean, I guess Clark Kent kind of, <laughs> but yeah. Um, so this movie, if it sounds familiar at all. Um, there was a lot of controversy that came up when they casted the guy that they casted in this, which was uh, Michael Keaton, mm-hmm. um, who really people mostly knew from Beetlejuice at that point. Beetle Gay Say. And here's the thing Tim Burton has a very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, eclectic and prolific style. 
If this was in the 2000s, Johnny Depp would have been Batman. Oh my god. Or yes. he would have been the Joker. Or he would have been the Joker. <laughs> or he would have been a made, he would have been a made up character that and was Helena just Helena Bonham Carter would have been Catwoman. Yeah. <laughs> or Vicky Vale. Or Poison Ivy. <laughs> yeah, like, unfortunately, the creativity of Tim Burton has kind of hit a wall after the 90s. And there was going to be a creepy tree somewhere. <laughs> but this movie this movie is at the very beginning of his career. Mm-hmm. And there's a really good style in this. There's a crazy Art Deco style that even by the time you get to Batman Returns, it's gone. Yep. Like, it's, it's a very unique style. <clears throat> that he was able to tap into it. And I think a lot of it was because of the uh, production designer, um, set designer, Ant- Anton First, mm-hmm. who uh, does you know the designs of Gotham City and these giant Gotham City sets from this film. So and obviously it's not really shot on location. It was shot all in England. In you're Idaho telling Studios. me it wasn't shot in <laughs> Gotham City? <laughs> but uh, unfortunately, the reason why they could never get Anton first back is because shortly after the original Batman came out, he committed suicide. So, wow, that's that's a reason not to come back. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's l- l- enough of the behind the scenes. You know, I, I don't want to turn this into like a behind the scenes. All just nothing but like stories about eighty nine Batman because there's lots of documentaries that do that and they do a much better job of it than we ever will. And they have plenty more time. We only have maybe an hour and twenty minutes. <laughs> that maybe that's for our very good friends to actually finish this episode. So let's jump into our deep dive of nineteen eighty nine Batman. So the movie starts uh, with the opening credits that like go. They through. go on a while. Yeah, you look like you think you're going through a cave, and then at the end, you're really just navigating through a giant stone bat symbol for whatever reason. <laughs> um, once you get through the credits, we start in Gotham City, and I swear the first time I saw this as a kid, I actually thought we were watching the Batman origin story. Yeah, I can see that. Because it was a parent and kids. As an adult, that's what I was expecting. A kid and parents. A parent and... (laughs) Nah. (laughs) Let's make this story darker. (laughs) But yeah, but there's a kid with their parents. Or a kid and his parents. And very clearly... And you even see, I think, like the Mask of Zorro in the back. Mm. They walk by the Monarch Theater. Like, they are total out-of-towners. And you're like, oh, shit. One of them is going to die. Mm. Or at least, you know, one. And they end up sneaking their way into a alleyway. And this movie just jumps right in. Oh, yeah. You know, as opposed to other Batman movies that we watch, where it can take even an hour for you to see Batman in costume. Other superhero movies in general. Yeah. Like, what this movie does that you can't... I don't know if you can ever do again. I don't know if the Batman will do that. The Matt Reeves uh, version. We'll just have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. But this movie is not an origin story. Not it just at all. jumps in straight... Batman exists and has been there for a while, but just not a lot of people know about him yet. It's very early on where he's still a myth. There's uh, the criminals still think that he's like a weird supernatural creature, just referring to him as the Bat. Uh, but yeah, he ends up. He, uh, this was weird. The family gets mugged. Batman comes in, beats the shit out of the criminals on a rooftop. Does not save them while they're no! while they're robbing this family. So right off the bat, Batman is kind of coming off as a mega douche. So and then he beats the shit out of the criminals, and then it's just like 
tell them I'm here, and then just flies away and doesn't actually leave the guys to get arrested. Yeah, you just assume that they get arrested because they got their asses whooped so hard. Um, <laughs> which they do, you know, they, they get taken in by the police, and that's when they introduce us to Alexander Knox, who is... I have no idea, like, what I don't like about this film is why this character and Vicky Vale needed to be featured so heavily mm-hmm. in this film. Super weird. Like, I, I've never seen him in a Batman comic. He literally just exists for the purposes of this film. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I'm just, to me, as opposed Batman to- being followed by reporters is not something that I have any interest in at all at this point. Well, it's really interesting because... Like, you take... I'm going to flip on the other side and talk about Ben Urich, right? Ben Urich with the Daily Bugle out in Marvel. He is actually... Ben Urich is actually a really cool investigative reporter. And he's very well respected. And, you know, he even serves as a... Uh, he serves as a... Um, a, a as kind of like a mentor to, to Peter Parker at some point. Um, and even in the 2004 Daredevil movie... He's the guy that finally kind of puts it together and, you know, figures out Matt Murdock is Daredevil. So when you have a character like that, and if he was going to be in this film to be that guy, the one that finally pieces it together and puts Bruce Wayne... Oh, spoiler alert, Bruce Wayne is Batman, guys. <laughs> but if he's the guy that finally puts the, the, the connects all the dots and puts it that Bruce is Batman... That would have been a lot more satisfying arc for this character than just being a fucking goober that's just there to get picked on and made fun of by everybody. That's the problem, exactly, is that he's a character that I don't really like very much as an audience member. Um, nobody in the story seems to really like him. I no guess one takes him serious. Vicky Vale can barely stand him. Like, that's because she has to work with him. <laughs> and plus, he's one like bad date away from getting a sexual harassment suit slapped <laughs> against him. So it's, you know, again, he's just not a character that I'm very interested in following. Yet, for some reason, the early parts of this film decides to do that. Um, a lot of people get introduced in this film uh, early on. You get Commissioner Gordon, who was played by Pat Hingle, and uh, it really wasn't, unfortunately, because I didn't read the comic book since I was older, it really wasn't until Nolan's Batman when I... Well, I guess Batman the Animated Series was really the only place where I found out just how integral a part of Batman's mission his relationship with Gordon is. Mm-hmm. You know, like in this in this series of four Batman films, like there's nothing going on between them. No, Gordon is just a background character and it only gets more comical and stupid as the like series, series progresses. Goes on. Yeah. yeah. But then like you get the Nolan verse or and then you know, pretty much from here on out, it's established that Gordon is a very integral bar, uh, integral part into why Batman or how Batman is able to do what he does. Or and, Gotham, right? Like mm-hmm. I talk about Gotham a lot because anytime we go back to Batman, I just remember it now. But you, that's a series that where it spent five years developing a relationship between Batman and Gordon. Even though Gordon doesn't say it out loud, the series ends with a feeling. Of Gordon even knowing that he's Batman mm-hmm. because of how well he's gotten to know Bruce Wayne in that series, or like your your fucking favorite Batman story in the Long Halloween, like that that's the whole point of the series is the relationship between which, Harvey Dent, yeah. Uh, which you know. to me, Long Halloween is that is Nolan Batman to me, yeah. You know? Oh, totally. Like, well, I mean, it did draw a lot from it. 
from Nolan did draw a lot from uh, Long Halloween, yep. Dark Knight Returns, Batman Year One. Um, yeah, so it's hard not for them to go hand in hand. We also get an introduction to Harvey Dent, which um, it's oh. funny enough that we talked about Solo last week. It was uh, Colt Forty Five Smooth. Yeah, because in this film, and I one of the greatest one ifs in Batman movie history is what would it look like to finally see Billy D. Williams as Two Face. I mentioned it, and we should probably put it up on like the IG page or on the on the Facebook page. Yeah, but uh, I, I mentioned to Angel how much I would love a a comic book series that continues off eighty nine Batman, because eighty nine Batman, as you know, like taking away everything that came out after this movie, like it actually sets up a very like kind of the Gotham we come to know, especially if you're a fan of. Uh, Batman the Animated Series, like, it kind of becomes like, oh, shit, that's, like, the standard of what I expect a Batman story, a Gotham to look like, the villains to be like, like, it kind of sets that standard for us as kids. I'm like, I would love to read that as a comic. I have a surprise for you at the end of this episode, once we're finished reviewing this film. You may not know this. And obviously because we'll never get a Batman 89 comic book series, we'll never be able to see this story, or at least this version of this story. I've read the actual script for Sam Hamm's Batman 2 mm-hmm. that never got made, that ended up becoming Batman Returns, which is a completely different film. Yep. So we'll talk about that after this. Yee, I'm down. So, getting back to the film. So, Batman. Oh, that's the other thing, is Batman is a nickname. It's a nickname given to the bats. <laughs> so well, that- he he plays into it himself because when he grabs the criminals on the roof, he they ask him, "What are you?" And that's when he says, "I'm Batman." Yeah, I wonder if it's one of those things where he thought of the costume before he thought of anything else. <laughs> but you know, it's revealed that Batman is actually Bruce Wayne, billionaire industrialist, who, as we all know, surprise. His, yep, his parents were killed at a young age. And ever since then, he wanted to get revenge on criminals for being a cowardly and superstitious bunch. And essentially, this plays as any other uh, Batman movie where the, he is Gotham's favorite son. He 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 plays the part of Bruce Wayne, mm-hmm. where Bruce <laughs> Wayne is supposed to be this billionaire playboy philanthropist, just like Tony Stark. And he's supposed to be like, get, you know, he's supposed to like buy all these expensive things. He has galas. He has fundraisers for his like politically elite friends. And that's exactly what he's doing, right? Like he's holding the, you know, the, the time to, you know, the time in Gotham is that's 200 years uh, that the city's been founded. And the mayor wants to have this fundraiser for the 200th anniversary of the city. Mm-hmm. And that's where Vicky Vale and Alexander Knox, I believe, uh, they get a, you know, they're covering the event and they sneak away and they're taking these pictures and, and like right away, Vicky Vale, uh, her and, her and, uh, and Bruce Wayne have like chemistry. And I don't know if it's just that Michael Keaton's so damn charming, <laughs> but you know, right off the bat, like there, there's something where he lies to her, right? She's like, "Oh, do you know which one of these guys are Bruce Wayne?" He says, "Oh, I don't know. Maybe you should. I think he's over there or something like that." Mm-hmm. Um, because he wants to get a vibe for what they're like, right? 
And he, and meanwhile, he hears them just talk all this mad shit about him, about how he's probably not a good person, yada, yada, yada. And I don't know, like, the way Michael Keaton plays Bruce Wayne in this movie he's is... He's a weird guy. He is <clears throat> a very weird guy. There's something very gothy about his Bruce Wayne, where he's, like, not very <laughs> interested in anything. Yeah, he doesn't care about anything aside from being Batman, and even that... <laughs> it's like he's got no relationships with anyone... Like, maybe a little bit with Alfred, and it's just, you know, there, there's there's something a little stone-faced about him. And it's funny, because I know that in the Dark Knight series, because Heath Ledger was an Oscar-winning performance, uh, a lot of people knock Christian Bale's Batman for being too one-note and not that interesting. He's, that guy is a four-dimensional character compared to, compared to the early Batman. Yeah! Like, he's just, like, seems so indifferent. And I was going to make a joke about a goth in a Tim Burton movie. What? <laughs> but, yeah, like, that's what it is. It's just, he just seems, like, disinterested in anything. And it, re but at the same time, he plays the most relatable Bruce Wayne that I've ever seen. <laughs> How so? How sway? <laughs> <laughs> In the scene where he's talking to Vicky Vale and he wants to tell her his secret and he can't find the right way and he's like stumbling and making less sense each time he tries to clarify himself. Oh, when he's talking about how a person in a family has to go downstairs and have <laughs> breakfast and say goodbye <laughs> to their family. What the fuck are you talking about? He goes, he goes from saying, people have certain lives they live and so they can't have everybody knowing about it all the time. And she's like, yeah, I get it. And then he goes, no, I don't think you do. Uh, you know when a family has breakfast together? And it's like, what are you saying? Yeah. However, I relate to that as someone who tends to ramble on a little bit too much. <laughs> So, I, I think they fix this in later Batman movies by just having the women in the film know he's Batman. Yeah, just make it way easier. It takes away all the sexual attention, but who cares? Um, in this evening after this party, uh, he has to go to this place called Axis Chemicals because one of the people who, I guess, are breaking into this chemical plant are the guys who are part of a gang... Um, from a mob boss known as Carl Grissom. Just the mob, not like <laughs> any mob in particular. Just yeah, no, it's just the Gotham City mob. Yep. It's uh, Grissom is not really from any Batman comic that I know of. It's he's just random gangster, and uh, you know, in this in this canon, the uh, Joker starts off as just a random mafia hood. Yep, who not too different from the Killing Joke. Yeah. Because in The Killing Joke, the unnamed comedian just kind of gets brought along to be the fall guy for these crimes. Yeah, but in Killing Joke, if you're to believe the comedian uh, origin story that he gives himself, he is very sympathetic in that. And oh, there's, yeah, totally. there's nothing sympathetic about this guy. Oh no, Jack Napier is a total douche turd. <laughs> like. so this, yeah, this film was controversial in that it decided to give Joker an origin story and a regular name. Yep. And I'm pretty sure that the name Jack Napier really just came from the fact that Jack Nicholson is the guy who's playing the Joker. I thought it was like a callback to some character. The actor who played Alfred in the 66 Batman is a guy by the name of Alan Napier. Oh, so you think Jack it, was just like, 
just call him Jack. And, uh, I don't know, some other nerd name. And then someone's like, hey, let's give Alfred a, a shout-out. <laughs> so maybe that's it, but I don't know. In, in any case, I guess this, uh, this Jack Napier character is sleeping around with this mob boss's wife. And uh, he is going to get punished for it. By getting set up. So this chemical plant that apparently the mob owns has to be emptied out from its documents. Empty out all the chemicals from their own So that So that Harvey Dent can't discover that they own it? Jack Napier isn't the smartest guy, okay? As if if there's no such thing as like a title to a building? (laughs) No, we don't know, okay? We don't know how 89 Gotham works and the intricacies of civil government. (laughs) Yeah, plus, you know, we don't know if this is the 40s or the 80s. I know, the way everyone fucking dresses in fedoras and three-piece suits and shit. That's another cool thing is it has a very timeless feel. It does, and it, well, it's not that it has a timeless. I mean, it feels like an alternate universe. It's not timeless. It feels like it's either the forties or the eighties, or no, it that's feels pretty like it's, timeless. It feels You're like talking about forty <laughs> years of not knowing. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it, Batman comes, shows up, and spoils the party where these guys were supposed to, I guess, get away with their master plan, but they get set up by the police and by Batman, who shows up. <laughs> Um, because this mob boss had connections, and the connection was a guy on the inside of the police department. Who they set up to get whacked. Who apparently tells the other officers just to shoot to kill all of the mobsters. (laughs) Just murder everybody. And everyone is totally okay with that, and even when Commissioner Gordon shows up, like, this guy never gets arrested. Commissioner Gordon just comically takes away a megaphone from him (laughs) to tell them, (laughs) do not kill the guy that they just said to kill. Make sure that we bring him in alive, dead or alive. (laughs) So in this entire scuffle... um, Kerfuffle, if you will... (laughs) uh, In this whole whatever the hell happens at this chemical plant, uh, Batman and Jack Napier, I guess, start fighting, kind of? Or... So they have this weird confrontation, and someone takes a shot at Jack, and... So yeah, like, Batman and Jack have this com- the, this confrontation, where I think Batman gets shot, right? But then someone tries to take a shot at Jack, they end up hitting glass that hits him in the face. Well, no, they shoot Batman's gauntlet, and Batman puts his hand up, and the gauntlet ricochets the bullet into Napier's face. No, it wasn't just that. Like, it hit it hit a gauge. It hits a gauge that, like, breaks glass. And Point is, we're not going to argue the intricacies of how, you know, bullets deflect from gauntlets, okay? <laughs> but the point is that he gets fucking shot in the face, and this causes him to, like, fall over, and Batman tries to save him. And holds him over the chemicals, but doesn't really try to save it. And then just, like, he falls into the chemicals, and Batman just has this, oh well, kind of look on his face. <laughs> Oops! My bad! <laughs> like, it almost reminded me of those college humor Batman skits where yeah. he's really bad at his job. <laughs> where Pete Holmes plays, uh, plays Batman. Oh, shit. That was hilarious, because it was just like, oh, man... I don't know if Batman knows if he fucked that one up or not. 
I'm pretty sure he did. And I think part of the, I think that that might actually be part of the point too where like you really are watching an early day Batman. And he's going to fuck up a lot. Yeah. But Do you think they did it on purpose or it was just shitty writing? Mm, probably shitty writing. We're going gonna... to One thing that we should remember and I want us to, you know, just be aware of this is the guy who wrote this uh script, Sam Ham, had like 11 days to write this script or something like that. Like, it was written very carefully because in 1989, there was a writer strike. So Ooh. he had to rush to finish the film before the writer strike. And there was decisions that were made in this film that he even wasn't really crazy about, but he just reluctantly goes for it. He's just like, let's get this done quick. And uh, one of them is the revelation that Joker is the guy who shot Batman's parents. Oh, God. <laughs> Which is the most contentious oh, plot God. point of this film. And, you know, we'll get to that point later, but... Yeah, so, one thing of note. This is the first real action scene we get with Batman. That suit does not look easy to move in. No, and, you know, again, this was the first film in the Batman canon. The Mm -hmm. non-campy Batman, I guess. Even though it becomes campy again later. Yeah, oh, super campy. (laughs) But, you know, this was supposed to be their attempt at making a serious Batman. And, unfortunately, at the time the movements in the suit were very restrictive. But because of that, Michael Keaton basically trademarks the Batman turn. Where you turn your whole body. Where instead of just turning your head around, you have to turn your entire body around to look at something. (laughs) And he has just a very, like, pissed off look on his face every time he has to turn around. Almost like he knows he's mad that he has to turn around in that suit. So, it's, uh... Did you also notice his shoes? What about did you notice the boots? No, what about them? Is there something familiar about him when you saw them? Mm, I don't think I paid too much attention. It was, I guess, a little bit of cross-promotion with Nike. Oh! Batman's boots, if you ever look at them again, the bottom of Batman's uh, boots actually look like Nike shoes. Are are you serious? Batman boots. Holy shit! Really? That's fucking weird, dude. <laughs> I'm a, I might need to take a look at that a picture of that later. That's kind of cool and weird. Yeah. But um yeah, so this suit is definitely not you know, it's not the suit we get in Dark Knight and you know like like well, Dark Knight is the first time that they solved that problem. Yeah, like I was about to say like Angel pointed out while we were watching the movies that this like this problem can progresses till 2005 essentially (laughs) yeah in fact i don't even know like i'm trying to remember because there wasn't a ton of screen time that he really got in in, uh, suicide squad or like enough time as batman and batman v superman that i can't remember how well ben affleck moved in that suit as well well he moved a lot better than in this Oh, for sure yeah you know, and then we'll get to it to compare the final fight scene to this from this movie compared to the, you know, warehouse fight scene in Batman vs. Superman. Oh, wow. Those really <laughs> are just Nikes. Yeah, it's Nike high tops with, like, wow. Batman like, tops. That's super awkward looking. <laughs> oh, yeah. We might have to put that on the Facebook page uh, and the, on the Instagram, IG page, yeah. too. Because yeah. those look super weird. But, yeah, like... When you compare the where the suit is now in Batman vs Superman to where it has been, you're like, wow, shit has changed a lot yeah. in 30, 40 years. But even, 30 then, years. even then, this is a suit that everyone really loves. And Tim mm-hmm. Burton makes a choice here with the Bat costume that 
actually like just follows through every single film until Batman versus Superman. Which the is, big yellow bat symbol? No, 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 because those go away in the Dark Knight series. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the fact that uh, Batman wears a black costume in every single film that he does, with the exception of Batman v Superman. Oh yeah, which yeah, is yeah. where they finally go to the classic gray uh, oh, Batman. They costume. do the Dark Knight Returns suit, and I fucking love that one. Yep. But yeah, uh, it does not look like an easy suit to fight in. It does not look like an easy suit to 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 move around in. So if you're expecting any fight scenes like in Batman vs Superman, surprise, motherfucker! I think the point of this in this at this time was because we weren't so oversaturated with comic book films yet. I think the purpose of it was just to get caught up in the spectacle. Yep. Right? Because the same thing. You cannot name a single fight scene from the 1978 Richard Donner Superman movie. It's, Fuck no, it'd be, I can't. It'd yeah. be hard to think about it. But what everyone remembers about that film are the Superman flying. You know, like Superman was flying in the film. People remember the music. People remember the costume. Mm-hmm. People remember the performance. Like, again, this is a film that's much more interested in the spectacle than it is in giving you, like, an action fight. Mm-hmm. So after, after the fight scene, after Batman gets away... And after Jack Napier falls in the vat of chemicals. Napier is presumed dead. And essentially the cops are like, we did our job. Which I'm not really sure if they did. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. So Na- Napier drags himself out and survives. Actually revealing uh, white nails cutting through black gloves, right? Which freaked me out as a kid watching this. Fuck yeah, that looks creepy <laughs> even as an adult. But it's such a cool fucking shot. And it's part of the reason why when I first watched Halloween as, like, a kid, like, it really freaked me out because a lot of the scenes in the original film are Michael Myers from behind. Yeah. And because he had such a white face, like, with the mask on, every single time I would look at him, I would re- I would be called right back to Jack Nicholson's uh, Joker. So it w- it, when I would go back to watch Batman 89 again, it would actually kind of scare me a little bit. Because <laughs> you're like, oh, God! Yeah. Michael Myers and the Joker! Yeah, like, you know, like, when you're a kid, sometimes you have different memories that just all kind of, like, cram together a it's little bit. one super memory? Yeah, so, like, the Michael Myers I remember as a kid is probably just five times as frightening because he was, like, all the things that I would be terrified of in one person. <laughs> He's Michael Myers meets Satan and Joker <laughs> and Shao Kahn or, or no, what's his name? Shao Kahn. Like he's just every evil person from my childhood. So this takes us actually to the you know infamous, well not even infamous, but the the mirror scene, right? Where Joker or I'm sorry, Jack Napier is being worked on by a surgeon telling him that he couldn't actually get all the fragments out of his face. Which, who the fuck would go to a surgeon like that? Apparently. Or a surgery place like that. Well, if you're a fucking mobster and you can't go (laughs) to the hospital, where the fuck do you expect me to go? I'm gonna go to fucking, you know, Whiskey Dan, who I pay in in Wild Turkey, okay? Anyway, apparently he's a shitty surgeon because he can't get the bullet fragments out of his face. It's all the Wild Turkey he drinks. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah accidentally cuts your eye out yeah close oh, enough oh my god so whiskey dan and um, that's his new name whiskey dan ends up being like oh i couldn't you know get all the fragments out so you're gonna be in a constant state of rictus first of all, rictus a rictus grin is the scariest thing ever dude. what is a rictus a rictus is just the whitest possible wi- widest not whitest <laughs> widest possible most disgusting looking grin ever nice and it's just like 
What? Well, the design of this comes from a 1920s silent film called The Man Who Laughs. Oh, right? fuck that movie! Which is about a guy who like gets attacked by gypsies, and his face is also stuck in this like position forever. <laughs> and I think I don't remember which episode we had talked about this before, but we've talked about this before. The Chucky episode, literally the last yeah. episode. <laughs> which is, uh, you know, one of the things that scares us as human beings is when other people bear their, you know, even if someone gives you a smile that just looks a little bit too forced and a little bit too big. It freaks us out because we're instinct. We're like animals. So when something shows its teeth at us, it there's there's an uncomfortable feeling that comes along with that with us. So we get the lovely Joker grin, and Jack Napier decides to call himself the Joker from now on. So he ends up confronting Grissom, where he just straight murders him, like. And it murders him in a very goofy, funny way. Where yeah, they they play like a carnival waltz. Like after he shoots him, <laughs> where Joker's like dancing and shooting him at the same time. And then there's the thing where he tries to shoot from behind his back. Mind you, this is the birth of jo- of gamers rise up, Joker. <laughs> like, have you heard of that meme? It's like this. It's the, I don't know if it's ironic or not, but it's like a copy pasta going around like all over the internet. Where gamers, quote unquote gamers, are like, I'm tired of PC culture. They're trying to exterminate the gamers. Gamers rise up. <laughs> dank memes. Or was it? It's like gang weed and dank memes. <laughs> it's the fucking stupidest thing. And the worst part is I'm too much of a normie to figure out if it's fucking a joke or not. <laughs> but we end up getting lovely, lovely gangster joker. And, you know... Like, yeah, might as well take this time to talk about Jack Nicholson as a Joker. He's totally a dad joke Joker, and I fucking love that shit. <laughs> He's basically Jack Nicholson. Yeah, he just plays Jack Nicholson, which like, Jack Nicholson does in all his best roles. Like, I feel like Jack Nicholson was a serious actor in the in the 70s, and then he does The Shining, and then he's just like so revered for that batshit performance in The Shining that he just never stops after that. And he played Jack in that. Jack Torrance. Yeah. Like, he just does does nothing else but play the character of Jack for the rest of his career. Pretty much. I mean, that's what he... Because even in The Departed, he's still the Joker just without makeup. Yeah, and he's just being a fucking perverted old Bostonian just going around waving his big fake dick in people when at a porn theater. I mean, I, I, sorry, I got a little lost there. Like, I forgot where I was going with that point. I was talking about Jack Nicholson jerking his dildo off in a porn theater, and then somehow I, like, lost my train of thought. Well, then I started thinking about that weird scene where it's, like, him throwing cocaine at himself, like, banging whores. <laughs> Fucking The Departed is a weird movie, now that I think about it. We should watch it again, because, yeah, Jack Nicholson was in that, and so was Vera Farmiga, who we've talked about, like, several times in this, Yeah, uh, I mean, in, in, this, our, in our she show? Is like, yeah, she is, like... She's our the, darling. She is one of the darlings of this podcast. <laughs> She's, like, a Dewey, like, movies darling. <laughs> Her, Patrick Wilson, Jack Nicholson. <laughs> what a great group of people. <laughs> Oh, God. So after Napier goes crazy. Oh, well, in conjunction with all of this stuff where Joker's becoming Joker, Batman fucks Vicky Vale. Oh, yeah, he totally fucks. After he gets her drunk. Oh, wow. Oh! Oh! 
Hey, he was very clearly not anywhere near as drunk as she was. Oh, I know. Wait, I did know. he really? This oh, is nice. oh shit, she does have the line. We even had sex. Yeah. Oh, well, she didn't. She doesn't specifically say. That I am paraphrasing, but she does say, "I slept with you. I can't even believe I did that." You so see, they very clearly they poked. They could have had a slumber party. Not my Batman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely something that makes me uncomfortable as an adult in the world that we live in right now. Wow. Suddenly, Joker isn't that bad of a guy. <laughs> oh, God. So the Joker plot in this film is uh, he... Oh, great. So the first scene that he has after he kills Jack Palance, uh, who's Carl Grissom, is like a... A meeting of all the mafia families in Gotham. Oh my god, I love that scene. Where you get to see him in, I guess... What's frightening about this is that his his skin color is now white. He is now stuck looking like a clown all the time. But for some reason, in certain scenes where he has to be around other people to make them feel more comfortable, I guess, he he gives himself, like normal skin color paint. he's essentially trying to play it up that Jack Napier is still around. And that he's still loyal to the mob. And so he... He tries to... like Because at this point, his, his lips are red, his skin is white, and his hair is green. Like, he looks like a fucking monster. disgusting monster. Yeah. yeah. So he needs to do something to make himself still blend in. So he dyes his hair and he wears the makeup, right? So that he can still pose around as Jack Napier. The one thing he can't change is the disgusting ass grin that's always on his face now. And they do this awesome scene where I would love to like, you know, do a compare and contrast between when Joker gathers the mob bosses in, you know, Batman Compared to when Joker confronts the mob bosses in, in Dark The Dark Knight. Knight. Yeah. Because those were totally the vibes I was getting, right? Well, I'm pretty sure... Chris Nolan is someone who's smart enough to understand the history of film. Where I'm pretty sure that was intentional. Oh, totally. Like, because totally. They also, they all, there's, also a film, there's also a scene at the end with the Batwing and Joker. Mm-hmm. That Chris Nolan absolutely... He creates he the ab- Batwing, yeah. He, well, Chris Nolan absolutely cribs it in Dark Knight. Where you have the Batpod like, driving at Joker in that game of chicken that they're playing in the yep. street. So. so they have this... They have this scene where Joker brings in all his goons and talks about how he is essentially going to act for Grissom now. And then people are asking, oh, well, why do we need to care about Grissom and not you? And Grissom's gang is, like, now full-on henchmen. Yeah, they've they've (laughs) turned... This is the best part, is they've turned into 60s Batman campy henchmen. Yeah. To the point where they're wearing members-only jackets with the big, stupid Joker face on Which was cartoon comic Joker from the 70s. It was. And that's what was so fucking cool, right? So then... You know, when when one of the mob bosses uh, ends up, you know, checking Joker, or, well, Jack, right? Ends up uh, challenging Jack in front of everybody. Jack ends up grabbing his face and with the joy buzzer... No, he shakes his hand. He starts shaking his hand with the, like, deadly joy buzzer that ends up shocking him till he catches on fire. Mm-hmm. Which leads to the great line, I guess he was hot under the... What was it? Fuck! I already fucked hot. it up! I guess he got hot under the collar. I fucked it up, man. 
Recut it. <laughs> Let's just end the episode. No, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Anyway, so he ends up, uh, so he ends up killing this guy in front of everybody else using a magic trick, much like the way Heath Ledger goes on later in a couple mm. years, right? So it's a uh, it's a really cool scene. I was actually a really big fan of it. So at this point, Joker, the Joker arc is, and this is what I really like about this Joker. He is not in it to be the mob boss. He's not in it for control. He just wants to kill. Oh, yeah. And he's it's homicidal. And it's very much Joker holding the city ransom, and it's a big, dumb, stupid superhero plot. And as I said when we watched Batman Begins, I'm a huge fan of big, dumb superhero plots. So, uh, so Joker ends up creating this compound called Smilex. Which is what's going around killing everyone around town. Essentially, he hides it in beauty products, or bits of it in different beauty products, so that when people finally combine them all together, it ends up killing them. And the way we get to see this is the woman on the news, the which newscaster. Is, this is frightening. This mm-hmm. is a scary scene in this Oh, film. totally. Like, now as an adult, I'm probably, like, I laugh. But mm-hmm. it's also because I've read enough Batman comics to be like, huh, you're doing this you're doing this thing from the Dark Knight you know, Returns, you know? It's Joker Venom, right? Yeah, that's all it is. It's Smilex just Joker is essentially Joker Venom under a different name. But when you're watching this as a kid, holy shit should you be shitting your pants. <laughs> because everyone dies with a fucking grin on their face. And also the newscaster before she dies, like she's just hysterically laughing. And yeah. it's completely involuntary, and you see the, like, faces of horror on everyone else in the newsroom while it's happening. And meanwhile, Joker has this other, like, feed that's playing over the news, where he uses, like, cutouts of the bodies of these models that he killed using the same, like, Smilex. And, but they keep, like... They have, like, the mouths cut out and someone else is talking. Saying, love that Joker. I love that Joker. (laughs) And I'm like, ew, it looks so fucking creepy. But essentially, it really sets the tone for what kind of Joker we're we're, we're dealing with here, right? We get into this scene in the museum now, right? Which is where, I guess, Vicky Vale, after she's had this first date with Batman... With Bruce Wayne, she follows him into Crime Alley, where he, like, leaves the flowers, like, at where presumably the audience knows that his parents have died, but she does not. <laughs> dumb bitch. <laughs> <laughs> that caught you off guard. <laughs> but, but essentially, like, I guess Joker is the one who plans this date between Vicky Vale and, and uh, Bruce Wayne at this museum, because in the scene where Joker introduces himself... He, uh, Bob the Goon. Uh, Is that up, what he's credited as? Yeah, that's what he's known as, and like in <laughs> under among Batman fans, and even to the point where in the like anthology DVD for the original Batman series that came out, they call him Bob the Goon. That's pretty fucking good. <laughs> but uh, Bob the Goon gets a picture of Vicky Vale, and Joker like cuts it out and starts dancing with it, so he's essentially obsessed with her now. So um, he's the one who sets her up at some sort of. Guggenheim like theater Guggenheim Museum restaurant where she and Bruce are supposed to be having dinner together and that's where you know like the Joker gas goes throughout the entire building and kills everyone and thankfully just knocked everybody out I have no idea to be honest honestly it could have killed somebody 
It could have not. Who knows? Also, we don't understand how much like Joker gas somebody needs to inhale to die. Yeah, but I think I think the reason why you assume everyone dies is because Joker's been killing people. Also, no one ever gets back up. So. Yeah. <laughs> Even when Batman, like, just crashes through the window, like, no one, like, gets grog- groggily wakes up and decides to start getting up. So, clearly, everyone in here is dead. <laughs> and Except it. People die. <laughs> and because he, like, the waiter brings her a gas mask, she, like, wears it and is the only person who survives. Even though you would imagine that that gas is still, like, in the air, like, in the museum by the time the door opens. But Again, whatever. we're not... We are not chemistry geniuses like that of Jake Napier, as Bruce Wayne later points out. One of the one of the things that he uh, you know excelled at at school was chemistry. Oh yeah, that's right. He was a homicidal chemist. Yeah, who ends up working for the mob. I love comic book movies. Oh my god, only in fucking comic book movies. So, this is where he shows up with his goons, and he's wearing, like, one of those painter's hats that you see, like, in those comical, like, children's shows where, like, you know, guys would paint. And, uh, that's where they play the Prince music. Fuck yeah. (laughs) Fucking great. They're just going around painting all the fucking, fucking, uh, all the pieces of art. You know what this is? Which, R.I.P., when Prince passed away a few years ago, and it was such a big deal, like, everyone obviously was going through all their favorite, like, Prince songs. Mm-hmm. I secretly was like, yeah, one of my favorite ones is Party Man, and I also love Bad Dance. <laughs> like the bad ones? <laughs> the ones that and nobody listens to? Shut up. <laughs> You're like, I'm about to listen to it as soon as this show's done. <laughs> oh my god. It's very, it's a very Clockwork Orange. Like, how the goons and Joker just go around just fucking with things. Like, that's kind of the vibe I was getting. Like, even though they weren't doing... Because it's still technically, like, a family movie, right? Mm. Even though they weren't doing anything nearly as bad as fucking Alex and his droogs. Like, you know, the whole, like, biting your thumb at society and fucking with shit. Like, it's well, very much Alex, that- Alex from A Clockwork Orange is one of the... Um, it's one of the inspirations that Heath Ledger drew upon in his performance. So I can see how... The greatest, like, I wish, I wonder what it would look like is, unfortunately, Malcolm McDowell is just not, was not at the appropriate age to where he could have been considered for Batman, I think, at any point. But for for Joker in a Batman movie. But yeah, I I would absolutely... He is one guy who, a younger version of Malcolm McDowell, I would love to see what he would do with Joker. Oh, totally. He would have been great. So then we get to see... uh... We get to see this lovely, lovely scene where just fucking Jack Nicholson's eye-fucking the shit out of Kim Basinger. <laughs> and as she defends herself, she throws water. <laughs> so I mean, stupid. hey, it's whatever's close. But like, hit him with the glass, not the fucking water! Well, maybe she was gonna do that after she threw water on him. You don't know her motivation, you asshole. But she saw that, you know, like, obviously makeup was falling on his hand, so maybe she really could have thought that his face was melting. <laughs> she thought her old, uh, <laughs> the old fucking Wicked Witch of the West ploy worked, eh? Huh? You thought? <laughs> yeah, she thought, because it turns out it just revealed more white face. <laughs> so you get to see that, you know, Joker, in for sure, a white guy 
yes. <laughs> I, I know words. It's fu- I'm fucking tired. Shut up. <laughs> and then uh, good old Michael Keaton, Batman, gets to crash in through the skylight. And we get to see him use that zipline thing. Yeah. So we get, so there's a lot of gadgets that Batman uses throughout these movies. Where does he get those wonderful toys? Ah, the lovely line. Which actually, if you guys, if anyone goes back and plays the Batman Arkham games, you actually get to use that zipline thing, and it's pretty fucking awesome. And also, we get to see the Batmobile. They come running out, and I really want to know what the base car they use for the Batmobile, dude. Yeah, I'd be curious to, to find out what that is, because that's one of the things that I have not like paid close enough attention to. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone has their favorite Batmobile like growing up, and I know that this is a beloved one amongst lots of people mm-hmm. i think it's cool <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna hate me but my favorite batmobile actually is from batman forever the hr giger batmobile that say, has like the blue turbine on the inside yeah, I was about to say, and on the outside like this big old black skeleton like <laughs> That's that one's that's the worst one. <laughs> I fucking loved it. I had the toy of it growing up, and it was just so fucking awesome. That's, and the one that has like the twin fucking bat wings, like hanging off. The it had side, three. Right? It had one sail like in the back, and then it had the two fins on the side. Oh, now I remember. Yeah, yeah that one sucked. Fuck you. <laughs> I'm gonna sock you in the face for talking about my Batmobile like that. Nah, for me, it will always be the Tumblr because it reminds <laughs> me a lot of the good old tank that Batman drives in Dark Knight Returns. <laughs> but yeah, so we get to see this weird Batmobile. Now, this is where I'm talking about that this movie is very clear. Uh, what's the word? Um, inspiration from Batman the Animated Series. Mm-hmm. The Batmobile looks a lot like Batman's weird Art Deco, which is, I am a huge fan of the Batman Art Deco uh, Batmobile, the one that looks like a huge fucking Cadillac. Mm-hmm. That, I always thought that one was really cool. Um, that's kind of what, uh, what, this, what this car feels like. You got your weird timeless where it could be the 40s, it could be the 80s, right? You have a Batman that's like very stone faced, very stoic, right? Like they're the like Bruce Wayne is very not disinterested in this movie, the same way Kevin Conroy's Bruce Wayne was very disinterested in anything that wasn't related to Batman in the cartoon show. Mm. And that's why I'm I'm like, holy shit, like this and even the music the music during the chase scene right now when Joker's goons are chasing through Gotham City and they're going after the uh, the uh, the Batmobile. It l- reminds me so much of that cartoon. It's like someone took the cartoon and just brought it to life, mm-hmm. even though it was actually the opposite. <laughs> and the other weird thing that this movie does is it, and it could be that we're just so used to like current Batman, where a lot of it takes place on rooftops and in really open areas. Yeah, absolutely. This just- has Batman running through the streets. Which felt very 60s Batman to me. Very much so. Like, it's super out of place compared to now, you know? Like, compared to what we're used to now. And I thought it was kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, no, there was an interesting scene in Suicide Squad where uh, Batfleck does that. Where he catches a dead shot in the alley and just, like, and, and glides down with the cape and wings out. And to me, I felt like that was an 89 Batman reference. Oh, totally. I can see that. Yeah. So, Batman ends up escaping with Vicky. They get back to the Batcave. The very minimalist Batcave, by the way. 
Yeah, but before they get to the Batcave, there's that awesome scene where the music plays and the Batmobile is is just driving through this like set filled with these skinny Tim Burton trees that comes out. They look, oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. literally looks like they're driving through um like Halloween the, Town. <laughs> yeah, the forest from Nightmare Before Christmas yeah. where, where like Jack Skellington goes into all the different like holiday lands. <laughs> and then right before he crashes right in the side of a mountain, and it's actually revealed to be a trick door, he goes on through and takes us right into the minimalist-ass Batcave. Yeah. This is a weird Batcave. Uh, Batman Begins, which we watched earlier this year, has a much more minimal Batcave because nothing was in it before he came in there. So yeah, I, this, I mean it was legit just a cave. Yeah, this still feels like it's got more more going on than the than that yeah. Batcave. But yeah, so Vicky Vale is talking to Batman about like you know of course the morality about what he does and blah 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 and some other stupid bullshit trying to keep him from being Batman. And then she said, and then he, um, oh no, he says, you have something I want. And she's like, I do. And then just throws his cape over her. This is a very rapey Batman. <laughs> I, I, I was going to find a different way to say it. I was just going to say a very aggressive Batman, uncomfortably sexually aggressive Batman. Yeah. Tomato potato. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> rapey, yeah. sexually aggressive. Yeah. I would not want my Batman to be like this now. Oh, God, please don't let Batman do this. And then you find out that he actually undresses her, puts her in, like, PJs, and steals the, uh, steals the, uh, Well, he doesn't put it. No, she's wearing the clothes she was wearing the night before. Okay, so he just reaches in her boobs and yeah. steals it. And he really steals just the pulled film. the film out of her bra. Like, that is. Which, why do women do that? Stuff. This is the perfect place to discuss that <laughs> on a podcast with two men. <laughs> Ladies, listeners of our podcast, please you know, like, comment, subscribe, and tell us why you, why you put stuff between your boobs. <laughs> but anyway, she takes the information that she has to the press, and that's when they find out that, you know, Batman may be the savior of the city and not someone who's as equally as crazy and dangerous as the Joker. Oh, because that's the big thing, is that Vicky Vale's like, well, other people think that you're just as crazy as he i don't know why but i think it's believable because um this batman doesn't say anything to anybody so he just goes around punching everybody (laughs) or fucking like throwing people off buildings and shit so we this is the scene i was talking about earlier where good old fucking you know bruce wayne (laughs) doesn't know how to have human conversations but Bruce Wayne ends up coming back and or he checks on Vicky Vale and they have that super awkward interaction that I relate to. <laughs> but there's also a knock on the door and we get to see Joker and his goons. And I'll let Angel take over because this has probably one of his favorite lines in the entire Batman mythos. <laughs> oh, well, you know, this is where uh, he Jack dis- well, Joker discovers that Bruce Wayne is the guy who Vicky Vale is really in love with. <gasps> and... <laughs> <laughs> and of course, for some reason, Michael Keaton felt the need to have an outburst in the middle of this, a la, Al this Pac- a la early day Al Pacino, where he just like aggressively grabs a rhubarb and smashes a vase, and he screams, "You want to get nuts? Come on, <laughs> let's get nuts." We have 
a lot of shit to post because that also gave birth to one of our favorite memes. Oh god, it's the best. It's really it's a, it's like a meme where uh, in the first line it's a scene from the film of him doing that, and then in the second slide it's like him and Joker in the grocery store grabbing nuts. You know what I just learned? It's really hard to explain memes over an audio medium, so maybe we shouldn't do that. Grab your nuts. Oh no, stop, please. Stop it, Batman. You want to get nuts? Oh my god. Not only that, we also get the lovely line of, well, no, like, leading up, again, Batman, or I'm sorry, Bruce Wayne telling weird-ass stories that have nothing to do with the overarching arc. Like where he makes up a story about a guy named Jack, and he talks about how, like, you know, how stupid, and he made mistakes, and he eventually got caught, and I was just like, what? And then all this leads up to him just yelling the you want to get nuts line. So that's why, was this, do you know if this was improv? I don't know. It was definitely pre-game for you want to get nuts. (laughs) So we also get the lovely line of have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? Right before Joker shoots him. (laughs) He just shoots the shit out of Bruce Wayne and just falls over. And he has the backup line, which I'm a bigger fan of, is never touch another man's rhubarb. <laughs> he means his dick. <laughs> so, as Joker and his goons leave, Vicky Vale realizes that, what the shit? Jo- Batman, I mean, <laughs> Bruce Wayne is gone. And it turns out that he actually had like a weird metal plate to be able to protect himself from getting shot. And man, this guy thinks of everything. <laughs> yeah. He is like the ultimate survivalist. Yeah. So, the, you know, you had to think about, eventually there was going to be a mention of Batman's origin. Well, before we get into this, interestingly enough, the Robin sequence, uh, which was, you know, like considered like, it's the most famous uh, unfilmed scene in this film. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm going to share it on our Facebook page. Uh, there's a storyboard, like it, like a feature from a Batman uh, uh, anthology DVD from 2004. Mm-hmm. It was uh, this is before Batman Begins came out, so all of this was in conjunction with that. Um, it was a special feature there where uh, Mark Hamill and Kevin Conroy come back. Uh-huh. Along with some other voice actor who does the voice of Robin, but they essentially like act out the storyboards for the original Robin sequence. Really, that's yeah. kind of cool. Which was apparently like after Joker left the apartment here, Bruce Wayne goes after him, or as Batman, and uh, he ends up going after him. And there's some sort of parade going on in Gotham City at the same time, mm-hmm. uh, where Joker and his goons are getting away. And then Batman has to, uh, he has to hop on a horse, which is out of Dark Knight Returns, right? Yeah, like, yeah, And, yeah. uh, apparently one of the places that he, that he, like, ends up riding by is a, uh... Circus. Circus in the street <laughs> where, uh, you would watch the Robin origin story take place during this scene. Oh, that would have, yeah, that would have sandbagged the movie a little bit. Especially in didn't have that during such a weird scene. Yeah. It seems a little busy to have been in this film, but again, Robin is such a big part of the Batman mythos that this film, uh, Batman 2, Batman Returns, like every film tried to shoehorn Robin into the story. Yep. So, like I was saying, 
we knew that Batman, his origin story was going to be mentioned at some point, right? I didn't think it would be mentioned in such a weird way. So... Where he just sits in the dark by himself reading magazine clippings? Yeah! Like, that's it! Like, it's not like he's telling Vicky Vale. It's not like he's talking about it with Alfred. It's just a random flashback where he's just, like, sitting there remembering... Just remembering his life. And then suddenly... After X amount of years, he remembers, wait a minute, Jack Napier looks like the guy that shot my parents. Yeah, they apparently got an actor that looks a lot like he could have been a younger version of, of Jack Nicholson to play a young version of Jack Nicholson. I have to say, the guy who they got to play the young Bob the Goon actually does look like the older Bob the Goon. <laughs> so, that's interestingly enough. But I mean, it's very well cast, right? But we've seen this before, right? Like, in our Batman Begins review, we, we talked about this story. And uh, unfortunately to me, I'm just not crazy about this at all. I'm going to go back and talk about Star Wars real quick. How much George Lucas needs everything to fucking connect. Like, it's okay if things don't connect. Batman doesn't need to have any attachment to the guy that killed his family, other than the fact that that's the guy that killed his family. Right, because even if you're to take that premise on its face, like, the fact that the guy who killed his parents is the supervillain of this film, what happens after this movie's over and Joker dies? Does that mean he stops being Batman? Yeah, because you've avenged your parents! (laughs) Like, that kills your motivation. You know who's actually played with that the coolest, in my opinion? Is if you ever get a chance to read it, I don't think you will, but there's a Batman Beyond comic where Joe Chill's, like, it's, he's like Joe Chill the third or something like that. He, uh, he works for Powers, uh, Powers Industries as a security guard. Ends up, uh, getting screwed out because, and being forced to do a lot of bad things. Where he has to, he pretty much develops a drug dependency to be, help him cope with all the terrible things powers made him do, including setting up Terry McGinnis's uh, dad to be murdered by the Jokers. So okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So this guy, what he ends up doing is actually he steals power armor from power uh, from Powers Industries, uses it, and becomes that universe's version of Vigilante. And he starts helping Batman Beyond, um, or I'm sorry, he starts helping Terry, like, fight back against villains. But then they, you know, the thing is, Vigilante goes around killing people. So they have this weird, like, dynamic where Vig is like, you're not, you're not hard enough on these villains. Mm-hmm. And he goes, so you need someone stronger. But the thing is, the, the crazy part is that that Batman never found out Joe Chill killed his parents. So, Terry McGinnis, Batman of the Future, is actually working with, like, the family of the guy that killed Bruce Wayne's parents, and they don't know. Mm-hmm. It's fucking, like, it's such a cool thing, but it doesn't tie everything in, in a way where it's ham-fisted and annoying. And I'm like, this is cool! I like when you do references like this. You don't need Joker to kill Batman's parents! It's fucking stupid! Yeah. Because <laughs> then that puts Joker at least, like... 10 to 15 years older than Batman, which is going to be super weird that now he's beating up on a like almost 50-year-old guy, <laughs> which again, these guys feel like contemporaries. 
Yeah. Jack Nicholson does not look like he's 15 years older than Michael Keaton. Michael oh, Keaton, God. unfortunately, looks old. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> I think he's he's looked old since, like, he was 18. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, whatever. But this all sets up the final confrontation that they have, uh, which is, you know, Joker has told the city of Gotham that he's going to drop money on them, millions of dollars on them, and everyone's there to receive all the Joker money. Oh yeah! And while he does that, he has these giant floating parade float balloons that are filled with Joker gas that kill all of Gotham City. <laughs> Who could have seen this coming? <laughs> or I guess in this one it doesn't exactly kill them, it just incapacitates them. Yeah, because they immediately get back up. <laughs> I don't think which, Joker gas works very well in open air. Yeah, which doesn't make any sense because, you know, in the museum, everyone fucking died. Well, again, we don't know how long the... We don't know enough about Joker gas. Everyone to fucking judgment. died. <laughs> Shut up! Everyone died. <laughs> so, this is where we see the Batwing. From this universe, which I do like. It looks cool. It looks a little too... <laughs> Bat-like? No, it just looks a little too Art Deco for me. Like, I like the design that they come up with better in Batman Forever. But that's just because I like all the H.R. Giger style. Like, it just it, it's it's awesome, right? Like, all the designs for those vehicles, like, they literally look like the alien from Alien. I was about to say, H.R. Giger was the guy that made Alien, so yep. that's why you like him. Yep. So. I personally thought it was okay. Shut the fuck up. How dare you have a differing opinion, you bitch? <laughs> so, uh, you know, they have the ref- the scene that ends up getting referenced in Dark Knight, which is them essentially playing chicken with each other, where Batman's flying the Batwing at him, and I guess is going to murder him with machine gun turrets. <laughs> oh, we didn't even go over the part where Batman blows up Axis Chemicals with Benchman in there. Oh, yeah, that's right. This Batman does murder people, after oh, all. Oh, Michael Keaton is rapey, and he murders several people in this movie. There's a lot of questionable morals that go along with this Batman. Is this Batman even a good guy anymore? <laughs> There's a very little thing that's very heroic about him in this film. So he was threatening to kill an unarmed Joker. With machine guns on a jet. Or, or, even if the machine guns didn't work, because obviously... His he was going to kamikaze his ass. His, his, like, falling into the vat of chemicals essentially made him impervious to, like, gunfire, because everything missed him. So Batman figured that if he wasn't going to shoot him with the turrets on his airplane, he was just going to fly his airplane into the joke. Yes, that is what every logical man thinks of. Oh, I swear to God, I'm going to fly my plane into your face. If you don't shut the fuck up, I'm going to crash my plane into you. Oh my God. So Joker just ends up pulling out a giant revolver. A comically large revolver that earlier in the film really just like gives shoots like the little bang sign. But in this case... Blows up the Batwing. Yeah, everyone knows the bigger the gun, the bigger the explosion. Angel God. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that this toy pistol was essentially a rocket launcher. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> so he ends up crashing the plane. Joker grabs Vicky Vale and ends up taking her all the way to the top of the church bell tower. 
and he crashes one of the bells <laughs> so that it destroys those stairs on the way down. But Batman's already halfway up, so he sneaks his way over. And this leads to one of the worst fucking Batman fights. Yeah. Okay, so the fact that the machine is so... The machine. The suit is so, like, restrictive in terms of movement. That is the reason why, like, these fights just don't look that animated. Like, he just doesn't move around very much. So, really, the first uh, goon comes at him and tries to give him a flying Liu Kang kick, and (laughs) Batman just has, like, a giant bar that, like, rams his nutsack. (laughs) So he punches a dude in the balls midair. <laughs> this guy just drops like a sack of potatoes, so I assume he's dead. First of all, <laughs> what did we talk about? We talked about testicular trauma. This probably would kill them. Cause of death, testicular trauma. <laughs> so, this raises several questions. One, I've never been in a fight where I've like thrown myself dick first at my enemies. <laughs> Two, does Batman have that bar specifically for dick punches? Because <laughs> he's never used that before. The dick repellent bat spray. <laughs> oh my god. Three, it was fucking stupid. <laughs> okay, so then the very next goon that attacks Batman just says fuck off. It just... When he lands on the, like, floor, (laughs) he just... (laughs) The boards break, and he just falls to his death. (laughs) But at least the third guy who comes up to fight him puts up the biggest fight and actually ends up beating the shit out of him. (laughs) Until Batman throws... Or, I'm sorry, no, Batman ends up, like, falling into the hole where the bell is. But surprise, he's actually hiding, and apparently he has glutes of steel. (laughs) He, like, grabs him. He grabs him between his, you know, muscular thighs. Batman be looking dummy thick. Slams him into a bell, and then this guy falls to his death as well. Again, Batman gives no shits. Oh, God. So, finally, we have our final confrontation with the Joker. Joker has no idea Batman just killed the rest of his crew. And so Vicky Vale sees Batman, so she tries to seduce the Joker, which I'm assuming... By making out with his jacket. And then, essentially, like, getting in prime blowjob position. Which is when he just shows up and socks him in the mouth. Man, there's nothing worse than, like, thinking you're gonna get a blowjob and they can punch you in the face. And apparently he socks him so hard that he's, like, bleeding from his mouth. So this is violent now. Well, remember, he, this is the guy that killed his parents that he didn't care to think about for about 20 to 30 Oh, yeah, that's years. right. He's going to avenge his parents' death and his mission will be over after this night. <laughs> so Batman's full-on murder boner is just, like, all chubbed up right now. So he starts beating the shit out of Joker and ends up punching him so hard like that he ends up flying over the ledge of the building. But surprise, bitch, Joker actually... Okay, this is where science makes no sense. <laughs> oh, now it doesn't Okay, science was fucking skull-fucked earlier in this movie, but this is where I have a big problem with science. He gets punched. Supposedly, he falls face first. Yes. He, re- he somehow has enough time to turn around. 
and then grab Batman and Vicky as they are close to the ledge. And then you find out he actually landed on his feet on the surprise ledge. (laughs) (laughs) There's so many goddamn ledges, first of all. Yeah, well, this is an old church, right? So maybe they just had like five different ledges there in case somebody fell while they were working on the (laughs) cathedral. (laughs) Oh, we're tired of all these immigrants dying on our churches. (laughs) If we create more ledges, less people will die. (laughs) Maybe we should give them safety harnesses to the ledge with you. (laughs) (laughs) And this is where he's going to get rescued by his... Joker goons in a Joker in like a the helicopter mo- with the Joker's face on it. Who could this be? <laughs> oh yeah. my god! And uh, when he decides to grab the ladder, that's when Batman like just shoots a line between him and the gargoyle. And apparently, this gargoyle is so ridiculously heavy that Joker falls to his death almost instantly. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And before Batman can get him and Vicky up and over the uh, over the ledge, they end up falling. And before they hit the ground, Batman shoots his grappling hook up into the building and manages to save themselves halfway through. Which I think you made you made the uh, the observation that literally, if they were that far down and the bat rope like yanks them back up like wouldn't his arm fall off like from just the crazy like pressure not only would his arm get ripped out of its socket they would still fall to their death <laughs> right because he's holding vicky Vale with him yeah like that's just added weight and even then i like that batman begins kind of solves this problem by having him like hook his like he can hook his bat rope onto his belt and <laughs> so at least his entire body will be supported but <laughs> even then like even if that were to happen if a one point of your body were to suddenly stop and the rest does it it would just cut him in half <laughs> or it was either snap his spine in half or just literally yank him and bisect him so yeah don't watch this movie if you want scientific explanations <laughs> But, you know, Batman. Batman's killed the Joker, for all intents and purposes. Yep. Um, <laughs> His and, parents are avenged. <laughs> and for some reason, he's going to continue being Batman, and this has made him now decide to be a superhero forever, because he tells the city of Gotham that he'll always be around. And then Vicky Vale is like, Batman and Bruce Wayne, they have to be together, so I'm going to bang them both. <laughs> <laughs> Because then, like, Alfred's waiting with a limousine, I'm assuming to take her to Bruce Wayne's sex dungeon. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, or at least a giant house where they're all gonna eat soup, like... (laughs) Oh, shit! We forgot about the soup scene! In the longest table I've ever seen two people eat at the opposite ends of. How's the soup? <laughs> Pass the salt. What? I was like, oh my god, I fucking hate this. I'm like, this is such a Tim Burton line. I'm like, Tim Burton's probably sitting there. Oh, this is hilarious. All right, so now that we've gotten to this, mm-hmm. do you like Batman 1989? <sighs> it's hard. It's really hard. I don't know if it's one of those things where it's like, I like it because it's bad, or I hate it because it's better than I expected it to be. Like, 
I like it enough. And it's a really weird... It's a really... Like, uh, we... The, this whole show is just based on do we like things or do we hate things. I like it enough to say I like it. Because there is, like, a lot of there... Like, this... Like I mentioned earlier, this this sets up a lot of framework and a lot of groundwork that a lot of great people built on. Yeah. Mostly Christopher Nolan. <laughs> but... They're like not only that. This also essentially gave us the Batman from the animated series, from the Justice League, from Justice League Unlimited. This is kind of like impacted. And I mean, it also brought like the Killing Joke and Dark Knight Returns to like mainstream like appeal. So there's enough here for me to say I like this movie as a Batman movie, as a comic book movie. You know, like it's not one of those that really has a source material. But, I mean, this, this also proved, hey, you can make comic book movies. Mm. And you can make comic book movies with mainstream appeal. Because Sam Raimi's Spider-Man trilogy didn't really follow any source material. Everything owes a lot to Tim Burton's Batman. Very much. Sam Raimi's movie also owes a lot. Besides Tim Burton's Batman, it does also owe a lot to Richard Donner's Superman. Yep. This is the, for really the best way we can say it is, this is the beginning yep. of the filmscape that we know of now which is like everything is now superheroes so it's good to go back to a time when they were barely trying to figure this out and just just see what they did and how they did it um i myself i do like this movie i don't think i like it as much as i did when i was growing up Yep. obviously now that nolan's batman trilogy has come in uh i actually am one of the few people who likes batman v superman Mm-hmm. And I'm also very much looking forward to Matt Reeves' Batman movie, if it ever gets made finally. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, this is not going to be my favorite by any means. Uh, I actually probably still like Batman Returns and Batman Forever more, just because I have more of a personal connection to them. So now, my opinion isn't worth much of anything. Now, if you are a fan of this Art Deco style and this weird 1940s, 1980s like vibe... And the music, one of the movies I do recommend that I think would actually be a better story would probably be Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Yep. The, uh, the animated movie created by Bruce Timm, Kevin Conroy is the voice of Batman. It's kind of like... Mark him, Hamill's the Joker. Mark Hamill's the Joker and he's fucking aces. Like, those two, to me, are Batman and Joker. Like, Dana Delaney was in it and who, like, does she does the voice for Andrea Beaumont in the Phantasm, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, uh... Oh, spoiler alert! <laughs> everyone's probably seen that movie, by I now. mean, also, fun fact, the, the toy series, like, spoiled me. <laughs> spoiled that uh, she was actually Yeah, but after she played that character, she later becomes uh, Lois Lane in the in the Superman Adventures. Yeah, movie. yeah. So I really do recommend that if you are if you like the style, if you like the music, and if you like the the representation of these characters enough from this movie. Even though it's animated, it's a really good movie. Like I thought it was a really good like mature kids movie. Like, go go out and watch it. I recommend that. Now, that we're done with that, mm-hmm. there was a second film that was supposed to continue this story and take it into a different direction. Ooh, baby. It is one of the great never happened in the Batman franchise. <clears throat> 
I love this script. I really do. It's just, it's not really a full script. It's one of those things that they call like a treatment or a scriptment or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's very clearly like a first draft. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, it does take place around the holidays, much like Batman Returns did. Okay. This movie is called Batman 2, right? Okay. This is before Batman Returns. It's, it's weird to think about it that way. Mm-hmm. Because every, like, movie in this series has had, like, a... Subtitle or something. Yeah. yeah. There's, it's never been a series that uses numerals in it. So. Yeah. It's not like Rocky, you know? <laughs> and it made sense why it's called Batman 2, because it picks up, like, after this has taken place. Okay. And it takes elements from certain comic books. So this takes place, I think, a year or two years after the initial, you know, Batman 89 film. Mm -hmm. Where there is now a gang of vigilantes that are in Gotham City that are kind of like the sons of Batman. Really? And I don't know if they're called the children of Batman or something like that. I don't remember mm -hmm. exactly what they're called. But they are, like, you know, they wear Batman t-shirts, and they advocate for Batman, the Dark Knight. Mm -hmm. um, the There's a really good scene where it's, like, uh, it, where they introduce, like, Penguin, who is not Oswald Cobblepot in this film. For some mm -hmm. reason, they call him Mr. Boniface, and that is his name, like, throughout the entire film. Don't ask me why, but um, it starts with <clears throat> the Penguin on his last day in prison. And and in this, apparently he has some sort of device that he can use uh, to, like, like that uses, like, bird frequencies to where he can make birds do his bidding for him. <laughs> so the scene of the day that he's leaving, leaving prison, he ends up using this device and a bird comes and, like, eats off the face of one of the prison guards. What? Yeah. That's so cool! <laughs> And um, Vicky Vale's in this is in this story. Mm -hmm. um, she is featured very heavily and is very jealous of the Selena Kyle character. This script also has Robin in it, mm. and uh, Robin is essentially one of these like cult of Batman like members. Really? Yeah, who's just like a troubled kid who uh, ends up saving Bruce Wayne like one of these nights. And uh, it's like a Gotham Park scene that takes place. It's really interesting. Like, I, I, I can totally picture um, this being something that a DC Comics, like, Elseworlds story or one of the animated DC comic films would want to do. Mm -hmm. um, Catwoman is a cat burglar, which is a lot closer to her actual comic book self her in terms of what they end up doing in Batman Returns. Um she, her and Penguin are looking for a treasure. Hmm. Uh, there was something that was like, I don't know what, it, I don't remember what it was called, but it's some sort of like Raven, secret Raven society, which kind of sounds like the, the, the Court of Owls. Court of yeah. Owls a little bit. Except you discover in this book, surprise, surprise, that uh, Bruce Wayne's father was part of this group. Mm. And I guess... He was making, I guess he had made a decision that was against what the rest of this Raven Society wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And because of that, the Raven Society are the ones who uh, hired Jack Napier to murder Bruce Wayne's parents. That's weird. So it was very much connected with this first film. Mm. And the uh, script itself even ends with Batman proposing to Vicki Vale. Really? On Christmas Eve. Interesting. Yeah. 
I think that would have been a that would have been a cool uh, like you said a cool Elseworlds thing, but I can see how I don't I mean I don't know how much of a common knowledge this script was, but it feels like it does like it feels like there's aspects that do draw a lot from a lot of concepts right, mm-hmm. like that like when you were mentioning how how uh or how Robin would have saved Bruce Wayne from like a park. Or being attacked in a park. That reminds me of Terry McGinnis' uh, uh, origin and how he actually comes into contact with Bruce Wayne, you know? So, it sounds, yeah, it sounds like something... I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I would go out and watch it, but I would check it out. Like, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, we'd like to thank everyone for uh, joining us uh, on this second episode of the week. Bonus episode just for the fans. Uh, just to say you know, how much we appreciate you guys for continuing to follow us. And because we are approaching, you know, I'd say with by next week we will have already broken a hundred uh, thousand listeners, which uh, yeah, you know thousand downloads. Hey, you know what? It, it's it's something, man. Like, it's something, and uh, I definitely am happy with at least the fact that we've been able to maintain a stable audience that we have for every yeah. episode, and we hope that we continue to grow. Um, you know, this six months ago we started this and. We weren't sure if this was going to fall by the wayside like our last podcast did or if it was something that was going to pick up steam. And I have to say that this star, this ongoing Star Wars series that will continue next week when we get to Rogue One Woo! is definitely something that is uh, starting to really put us into the zone. And uh, we can't thank you guys enough for giving us reviews on iTunes, um, interacting with us on social media, like all that stuff we're super grateful for. And we hope you continue to do that. And that you can continue to spread the word about the podcast so that we can get it, gain a larger viewership or yes, listenership. please. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell your friends' family. So we can get all that cold, hard advertising money. Which we can then turn into better quality content. It doesn't sound like me and Angel are breathing on each other. <laughs> so uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Uh, I'm Angel. And I'm Javi. Later, turds.